Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you hunt or fish Alabama or in the deep south, you know that it's different down here. Spawning seasons, patterns, food sources, they ain't the same down here as in other parts of the country. At Great Days Outdoors Magazine, Southern Outdoors writers pick the brains of the best Southern hunters and anglers and give you the best how-to, where-to, and when-to articles, along with so much, much more. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern Outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Brian Sin. Thank you for joining us today. Got a great show lined up for you today, guys. And, uh, hey, I mean, it's like I said last week, it's August in in Alabama. It's hot. Uh, The water's warm. Fish are a little lethargic, but people are still catching fish, so that's a positive. It's a good thing. Fortunately, we haven't had the, the quite as many storms as we've been having, but uh, had, had a couple this week, so we'll see how that affects everything throughout the report today as we talk to these guys, and uh, let's get right to our first segment, and man, I've been looking forward to having this guy back on. He's uh, hasn't been on here in a while, but loved having him on his first time really unique what this guy does i don't know of many people that do it and let's get right to it brian barton how are you sir i am wonderful how are you today man i'm doing good i'm doing good i'm i'm here uh i'm 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 well and so uh so that's all a good thing exactly so well uh, it's uh it's plenty plenty hot up here in muscle shows today we're at 92 and thermometer still rising so i'm hoping maybe by the end of the week this stuff's supposed to break that's what the weatherman's promising anyway man i'm hoping so it's you know i tell you what i i said this several times over the last couple of years not not on the show but mainly talking when it comes to to, to deer hunting and and um you know both season and open up in october and Man, I almost, I think the seasons have just have changed a little bit from what they used to be. It's like August used to always be our hottest month. And then September would start cooling off a little bit. You get some relief from the heat. But these last several years, it's like September's the hottest month. And uh, it's yeah. just burning up. And, and I just, I just kind of wish it's still hot in October. I mean, you're out there trying to bow hunt first of October and it's, you know, 89 degrees. Well, and with that, it seems like we've had, in my opinion, a little bit cooler springs. And, you know, I've noticed it. Uh, I've only been fishing one day this week, but Tuesday when I was trying to get uh, shad for bait, one of the first throws I made was on a school of the new shad, the ones that hatched this spring. And normally by this time, those things are two, two and a quarter inches long. They're getting close to being ready for bait size. They're like an inch long. I mean, they were so small, they were going through the cast net. So I think I agree with you. It seems like we're warmer in the fall, but the cooler springs is even affecting the shad hatch because they don't spawn as early. Uh, that's my opinion. With hundred percent so agree, hundred percent yeah. agree. And 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 we heard that all through the podcast this year is that the fish went on bed a little bit late, later than normal. We had a, our our spring 
kind of got here later than it normally does it seems like so i don't know maybe there's just a whole shift in this thing uh you know that's for smarter people than me to well first of all let's let's talk about what you're doing i mean i i kind of set this up you know you you you're a catfishing guy i mean and and you do this a different way i mean i i, I love to noodle these catfish and i grew up jug fishing on the tom Bibby river and the black warrior but you do something a little different well, I do. I, uh, you know, like we talked about before, the trolling is really the, the big thing that I do the most of up here. Just basically putting a drop line 100, 150 feet behind the boat, floating the bait about 18 inches off the bottom and just and just dragging 0.3 to 0.7 mile per hour, you know, depending on the fish. If they're biting good, you can go a little faster. If they're slower, you go a little slower. Uh, and something I had a lot of luck with this spring, I didn't get to fish a whole lot. But I actually found that they were so bite shy this spring, I was catching fish in 70 and 80 feet of water on Wilson Lake, uh, weightless, basically just putting about a two or three ounce uh, chunk of cut skipjack on there with a 10 alt circle hook and slinging it far as I can. And it took it 10 minutes to get to the bottom. Uh, I've always done that, but this year actually produce better than ever so yeah i'm just one of those guys I, I like to think outside the box sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but um it's it's an alternative way to catch fish anyway you know well it's a definitely outside the box thing from what we think about when we when we think about catfishing and uh it's trolling with live bait and and i'm trying to picture this you know in, in my mind and get a get a better understanding on it but what kind of depth are you normally at like this time of year uh, this time of the year, 45 to 60 feet, uh, and that is if we don't get a thermocline. If Wilson forms, forms a thermocline, which it will a lot of times at 40 feet, that tends to be the level it forms every year, then you pretty much got to go to less than 40 feet of water. Right now, we don't have it. We've had a cool, like I said, the summer's hot, talking about 90-degree temperatures, but the water temperature Tuesday was only 82 degrees, which is really not blazing hot for this time of year so we haven't had a thermocline form so now you could catch them all the way down to 70 75 feet or deeper wow and so you i'm assuming obviously you've got your you know you've got your weight you're like you know 100 150 foot behind the boat so you got your weight on the bottom then you've how is it rigged i mean to keep that bait off you said you like it about 18 inches off the bottom Okay. Uh, if you can visualize, we all know probably what a three-way swivel is that's been around forever for typical catfishing. We now use what we call a T-swivel, or that's what I call it. Instead of a three-way where they're all in the same triangular pattern, you have an eyelet on top, and then you have two, the other two are on a vertical line. So you tie the one that's on top to your main line, which you go back to your rod, and then on the other two, you would have your weight on one, and I use about an 8 to 10-inch dropper of line, just enough to have really enough room to tie the weight to the swivel. And then on the other one, I tie a 3- to 4-foot piece of line, which would have the hook on it. And then above that hook, I'm sliding a cork about a foot to 18 inches above it. And if you can visualize it, when you're dragging through the water, obviously the weight stays on the bottom, so your swivel staying 8 to 10 inches off the bottom, whatever that length is, and then that float is keeping that bait up off the bottom anywhere from, you know, depending on how fast you're going from maybe 18 inches to two feet off the bottom. So you've got two things going on. You've got the weight coming through the substrate 
making an audible sound and stirring up mud like a crawfish or something might do scooting on the bottom. But yet your bait is hanging up in the air where a fish can get a good eyeball on it if he's using vision. Or more importantly, with catfish, he can smell it, but it's not down there dragging in the mud. It's suspended in the water column above his head. That is so cool. Plus you have the float, a bright red float, which I am a firm believer of. A lot of people think red hooks and red is a gimmick in the catfish world. It's absolutely not. Uh, I've been using the Daiichi bleeding bait hooks for years. I started getting those from TJ Stallings years ago. And my catch ratio just on live bait fishing with smallmouth. When I would use those hooks just because I had them available, it went up, I think, 50-60% or better. So there's definitely something to the color in red with catfish especially, whether it be blood or, you know, whatever the reason. But when you put that red float up there, now you've got in a clear water lake like Wilson, you still have a visual, especially if you're in, you know, 30, 40 feet of water or something like that where it's shallow enough they've got good light. Right. No, I just think about the light, you know, a shiner down there, live bait, what a shad, whatever you got on there. Is it mainly catfish you're going to catch or do you catch stripe, large mouth or whatever happens to be hungry or is it predominantly targeted? I guess you're catfishing, so it must be. Right. Well, in that depth of water, it's pretty much going to be a catfish. Now, if you get in the spring, which we don't do a lot of the live bait pulling in the spring, but if you do, you start getting into 15, 20, 25 feet on some of the flats. Oh, yeah, I've caught five and six pound largemouth many a times doing it. Whatever's there is going to bite that shad. But typically, the, the deeper water we fish, the catfish is pretty much all you have inhabiting that kind of depth. Most that of the makes time. sense. I didn't even think about that. That makes total sense. Do you typically see a different size uh, catfish in the deeper water than in the shad? I mean, is this where your big catfish are? It is where they're at, but, you know, you can take your sonar and you can, you know, actually see bigger fish and distinguish bigger fish. But in my experience doing this nearly 30 years now, the bait is the only thing that's going to determine the size of the fish you catch. I can troll over a school of fish out there on a ledge, and if I cut the bait the size of a quarter, I'm going to catch a prior size, a one to two pound fish. If I've got a piece on there big as my hand or a big shad, a live shad, then you're going to catch a bigger fish. But point being, they don't, in my opinion, I have not seen that they school just by size. They school just because they want to be there for the structure, the food, whatever the reason. But now to answer your question about big fish, the majority of the big fish that I have caught have been in 50 feet of water or deeper. So yes, they probably do prefer the deeper water most of the time. So on, on, on any given day, I mean, your expectation, I mean, I know you're catching a lot of fish, but what size fish do you consider good fish out there? I mean, do you catch 30-pound fish, 20? I mean, what are, what are we talking? Well, What's and my definition is good fish is just what you said, 25 to 30 pounds. Uh, I consider anything over 70 pounds, 60, really 60 to 70-pound trophy. Now, you sure. talk to someone that fishes the catfish trails and they travel all over the country. You know, they may not, they may view it more like 90 or 100. But for the average person, uh, a lot of the clientele I get, I would say a 30 pound fish is the biggest fish that 70 to 80% of them have ever caught in their life. Or, so, uh, or you know, seen. That's exactly being, right. Yeah, or seen. Right. But Man, so, people uh, don't I've realize heard, a lot. And I found this through Newland. You'll take people Newland with you and we'll pull a, we'll pull a 20 pound cat out of a hole. And they'll look at it and go, man, that's got to be 35, 40 pounds. 
and you put it on yeah. the scales and you're like, man, that's 22 pounds. It's a, it takes a lot of fish to be 40, 50, 60 pounds. That's a lot of fish. It does. It does. And, uh, and, and those are not, I'm not going to say they're rare. We don't catch those every trip, but I do, I do pretty much tell people they can expect. And I think if you talk to my client list through history would agree, uh, we pretty much always average at least one thirty pounder or better from during the prime time. So this time of year, all bets are off. But September, October, during the late spring, that's very common. And I have had days that we have caught, you know, as many as eight fish over thirty pounds in one day. It happens. It's just they don't happen every day, unfortunately, you know. Sure. But uh but yeah, uh, thirty pounders are very realistic. And I would say in the fall, this coming up season uh, 15 September through early November, it's 50, 50 that you're going to get a, uh, 50 pound fish or better on every trip. Man, that's awesome. Hey, that's a, that'd be a lot of fun right there. I need to come do this with you. <laughs> you do, you need to come up and, uh, so you can understand the, the principle. Cause if you've never seen it done. It's really kind of hard to visualize that as a catfishing method, you know? Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, really cool. Really cool. Well, tell me about your trip this week. Well, this week, uh, my son actually came in to visit. We haven't got to share the boat together in nearly a year, and he wanted to go live bait fishing for bass. Uh, so we go down, put in and on Pickwick, just below Wilson Dam there in Sheffield, and I threw a throw net for about an hour. I'd about dehydrated, and I think we wound up with seven good-sized gizzard shad. Just could not find good bait anywhere. But on the positive side of that, we ran out of bait within 30 minutes and wound up with uh, – two decent small mouth, a nice large mouth. So I guess the moral of the story, had we been able to get bait, we would have had a heck of a day because the fish were there and they were biting. It's just, we could not find the bait to fish with. And you mainly, you, you mainly getting your bait with cast nets, right? I do everything with cast net. Uh, used to, we could dip at the dam at times, but those shad for whatever reason, just don't come to the dams like they used to. Uh, I probably haven't dipped a, a shad on the wall of the dam and three years now wow. I, again it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like our falls getting uh earlier or whatever i really or later i don't understand that but for whatever reason it has just got difficult to dip bait at the dam well and that's where we used to get all our bait when we jug fished is is uh we'd go to the dam there in, in, in demopolis on the on the tom bigby right below the dam that's where everybody went to get their get their shad with their cast nets mm-hmm. uh so, well typically it's been that way here for years you know you could in the fall like in september and october the young minnows would be so thick you could walk on them you could take a shad knocker and get 100 200 ever how many you wanted in a dip but it's changed and and there's no shortage of shad you go down the river and you just see schools everywhere it's just for some reason or another they do not conjugate below the dam like they used to that's crazy that's crazy well man i i i I love what you do and, and love the thinking outside the box part of it and it's just another way to go out there and enjoy these lakes and, and the great fishers we have around the state. Obviously, to do what you're doing, it's probably probably better to have a deep water lake like you like you have available to you. Uh, but we've got we've got a good bit of that around the state, and uh, so I'm sure this would probably work in you know in Martin and Logan Martin and you it, know, it'll work anywhere. I've had anywhere. clients all over the state that's taking it back. I have a good friend that fishes. I can't say the town. I think it's in Clark County. He's actually adapted this to do it in the Mobile, Tennessee Delta. And he's trolling down there. And oh. his fish is, you know, five to 10 pound channel cat. 
but the point is the method works. You just got to adapt it to where you're at, you know? Okay. And, uh, so yeah, there's, there's been a lot of people that, uh, you know, you get a lot of Wheeler Wilson, they get a lot of fame for their, for their big catfish and they, and rightfully so there's so many big fish in these lakes, but the method I'm using, it's not, not a rocket science. I mean, if somebody takes the time to practice and, and learn it, it, it would be effective, uh, any body of water pretty much. Very cool. You know, one thing we like to do when we're wrapping up a segment is for you to give a tip. So what would your tip of the day be for somebody that was going to go out there and wanted to catch some catfish? Uh, maybe not using this particular technique because, you know, you, there's probably a lot more little learning curve to it and, and it's new to people. But what tip would you give them to go out there and just catch a mess of catfish? Well, if I wanted to give somebody that wanted to go this week in our area or maybe in, in any lake, Right now, this time of year, your catfish will come in and feed on moss. A commercial fisherman told me the other day he had dressed out a couple hundred pounds of fish, and when he was gutting them out, they were just full of the moss that grows on the bottom. I don't know why, but from sometime, usually middle to early August through September, that's a pattern they get on. So if somebody wanted to go fish this weekend, an area like up in a bay, the back of a slough, what you'd call your less quality or stagnant water, anywhere you got a lot of that old green moss on the bed, go in there with a piece of shrimp, uh, something small. We're talking about eating fish now, not trophy fish. But go in there with either no weight or just a little split shot on light tackle, eight, 10-pound test line. And if you can find them, you can catch them because they will be conjugated. Mostly going to be a late evening or even a nocturnal bite is better because you know, catfish doesn't have eyelids like other fish. They don't want to be in that shallow water in that hot sun. But late late in the evening or at night, that is the pattern from now to about the first or second week of September. Man, that's good stuff. Great tip. Well, if somebody wants to come up there and book a trip with you and have a chance to catch one of these 50, 60, 70 pound fish uh, and just enjoy a, a, a trip, um, man, what's the best way for them to contact you? Well, they can go uh, email me at brianbartonoutdoors at al.com, or they can just give me a phone call at 256-412-0969. And uh, I just had a guy from Birmingham call this morning, and he uh, said he just wants his son to go live bait fishing. He said he heard that I catch eight and nine species on some trips. I said, yeah, that's really the average. So, you know, that's something I do outside the catfish thing in the fall. You just want, you're not taking them home to eat. You just want to catch a bunch of fish and get a bit rod and have fun. Uh, that's the way to go. And I'll be starting those trips back up about the middle of September. Man, that's great. Well, I'm definitely going to do a trip with you because I want to be, I want to see this. I want to go out there and, and learn how to do this myself and, and uh, just see it, you know, and enjoy it. So uh, I, I'm going to look forward to getting in the boat with you. Well, you just let me know. We'll make it happen. All right, Brian. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for jumping on and and love having you on here, man. Look forward to having you back on soon, brother. All right. Have a good day. All right. All right, guys. Let's take just a minute and hear from one of our sponsors. The Hunting Exchange. In this day and age, we all know it's a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms. And that's where the Hunting Exchange steps in. Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel, stands, saddles, or anything in between, this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence. As a buyer, each dollar you spend is insured by PayPal, and as a seller, 
there are no hidden charges like other platforms, and listing items are also free. Gone are the days of having listings removed from Facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or a knife. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. All right, guys, what a great segment we just had uh, with Brian Barton. And, man, I got to get up there and try this catfish thing, man. I would uh, – that sounds like a lot of fun. It's a, Like I said, I, I said it on the show earlier. I grew up jug fishing and, and catfishing on the river and, and love that. Got a lot of good memories doing that. But, but trolling with live bait for catfish, uh, that's, that's new to me, man. I got to try it. And uh, so, anyway – great segment but i'm really excited about our second segment as well uh we've got a guy on here that this is his first time uh calling into the show i've been wanting to get him on for a while i've heard a lot about him i know he catches fish so cody harrison welcome to the show brother thanks man i appreciate it yes sir now cody you mainly uh got out of the gunnersville area well uh here lately i have been now it's usually it's more like 60 40 i'm usually out of you know, either Florence or Waterloo and Pickwick because it's a lot closer for me. But I don't know. Gunnersville's been it's, – it's finally kicked back on the last few weeks, and we've just been going out there and just kind of hitting them. Well, man, I like so. hearing that it's back on. That's a good thing. And, uh, you, you know, we've we've had some some not good – some not-so-good reports from Gunnersville over the last couple of weeks. I mean, Gunnersville, Gunnersville. I mean, you can still catch fish. It, it seems like – seems like the last i don't know month or so it seems like it's kind of some guys have been like maybe having a little bit harder time than they have in the past years um yeah. but it's back on for you well you know none of those big 25 to 30 pound bags or anything like that but you know several 18 to low 20 pound bags stuff like that best five anyways uh numbers have been anywhere i mean they've been in the 30 here recently i mean I think we had 18 fish yesterday in a four-hour trip. So, I mean, it's just some days are better than others. You know, you still got the floating grass you got to deal with in hot. But, you know, we've had a lot of rain, and, you know, there's a lot of water moving down the river system. So, you know, it might have taken a couple of days here last week. They, they kind of adjusted to that. Uh, it got slow for us. What was it? Wednesday, it kind of got slow. And then – but it picked right back up pretty quick. Thursday, we were catching them again, and then we caught them again Friday and Saturday for sure. Yeah, you want to – you was yeah. telling me you want want a tournament up there this weekend, huh? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong. It was nothing to be – it was it wasn't the Bassmaster Classic. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, we had a few pretty good fishermen in it, jump in it. It's, I usually don't jump in team tournaments, but uh, a friend of mine, his partner bailed on him, and I said, well, we've been catching some, so, I mean, I might as well come up there. I'm not doing anything Saturday. So we went up there, and, of course, it rained almost the entire time we were there. So. But, you know, we still had a lot of fun. We caught several fish and, you know, got got one pretty good one. One about, I think we took big fish just under five, well, just under a five-pounder. I think we won around, we had 19 or something like that. That's a good but, day. you know, it's, it wasn't a bad day at all, not, not to be out there in the pouring down rain. I mean, we had a pretty good time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, what are the fish doing on Gunnersville right now? I know a lot of the lakes on the state that we guys we've talked to, you know, normally maybe this time of year they would have been ledge fishing. 
but it seems like uh, in a lot of the other lakes, I might just to hear about Gunnersville, but it seems like the lead fishing is, is still there, but, uh, right. but, but a lot of those fish are moving back up. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much the way it is on Gunnersville too. You know, we've got, man, I was just talking to my client yesterday about how many different patterns are going on right now. I mean, you can do so much. I can't tell you how many rods I've got on the deck of the boat. We can, we can catch two or three fish doing one thing and then completely abandon it and go do something just totally backwards from what we were doing. Um, now we've caught fish in the grass. You know, when I say grass, we've caught fish out of the eelgrass and stuff like that pretty, pretty regularly all the way through summertime. Some places are better than others, obviously. Some places got more fish than others. And some places are just one or two and you're done, but they're going to be big. And, you know, we've been throwing not so much moving baits anymore. Um, Tokyo rigs, stuff like that, just dragging or, or, you know, just swimming it over the top. And then, you know, it's a good way to get numbers in the boat. But, you know, we've been catching a couple out of the out of the mat. Um, but, man, it is, it's changed a bunch. I mean, it's changed a bunch since the, since the floodgates got open, too. A lot of eelgrass is piled up everywhere and there's been some schooling fish now the schooling fish thing that's actually pretty fun you know if you can if you can get on a good schooling bite right now in Gunnersville, you can you can load up pretty quick now when you're um, talking and, and just when you're talking schooling fish are you talking about schooling fish in 25 foot of water or are you talking about surface oh no i'm talking about busting on the surface now that's you know, fun. They can still yeah yeah i love throwing a big spook and stuff like that on especially on Gunnersville. it seems like you get a little bit better reward when you finally get one to blow up on it than you do on Pickwick. I mean, but what, last week we had one over five on top. It haven't been getting, don't get me wrong, it has, it's been good, but it hasn't been typical Gunnersville where you've just been going out and catching six and sevens every day. Our biggest yesterday was just under six, and uh, we actually caught that one deep. So, I mean, there are still deep fish, but, you know, the, the fun bite, in my opinion, is if you can get on some schoolers that, and just chase, you know, chasing fish and stuff like that, that's a, that's a pretty fun deal right now. Yeah, that's fun. I was just going to say it's going on from one of the lake to the other, though. It's, it seems like it's random, but if you can find a, find a group that's doing it, usually they do it for a few days and you can catch them. But I think the most consistent pattern has been that eelgrass bite just on the you know, outer bars and stuff like that. And anywhere from six to seven feet deep or the grass comes up to about three or four, it's been the most consistent one as far as numbers go. Now, what are you what are you fishing for through the what what does well in the eelgrass? I mean, eelgrass can be a little tricky, can it? Gosh, yeah, it can be a nightmare for some people, especially especially guys who aren't used to feeling it and ticking through the grass. I mean, I, I usually like the guy I had yesterday. He, he's from uh, I think he was from Michigan. He's not used to fishing grass at all, so it, it was a little bit of a learning curve for him. He had to uh, you know had to had to get a feel for it. But once you get a feel for it and coming through the grass and knowing that that's not your bite you know that was the main main thing he was having a problem with early I actually gave him a drop shot some people do better with other things but it seemed like he capitalized on the drop shot bite yesterday you can drag a drop drop shot through that eelgrass pretty pretty good you know you want to of course you don't want to make it where it's an open hook you know make it weedless and stuff like sure. that but take a little four inch um i think he had like a a little four inch zoom finesse worm or something like that on his nothing too technical just just drag it through there and he got several bites doing that and um i actually i i throw a jig and stuff like that sometimes i'll i'll throw a tokyo rig seems to come through pretty well as long as you're not overweighting it you know any anything's about three eighths ounce of a weight good 
you can get away if it's windy. You can get away with a half ounce too if you really need explain, it. Explain explain the Tokyo rig to to some of our listeners that may not know what you're talking about there because we don't hear Tokyo rig mentioned a whole whole lot on the show, but we do from time right. to time. And and I I just want to make sure everybody knows what you're talking about here. You know, you can do a worm hook, extra wide gap, something like that. Um, VNC makes one that's pretty popular. It's the easiest one for me to get access to, but uh, you know, it's just got a little swivel on it and it's got a little uh almost like a split ring and it's got a wire that hangs down now the wire that hangs down you just slide your little tokyo your little texas rig up it um depending on what size you want you can change sizes on them and you just crimp it down on the bottom of it and it swings and it you know it's kind of a pendulum weight you know it's just it's just a little bit different profile than a texas rig texas rigs work too just you know personal preference to me and i haven't seen a huge difference in fish caught but that's pretty much all it is to it. It's this little pendulum, pendulum style weight on it. Okay. That makes sense. Well, thank you. So are, is that a bite that is a bite you can like depend on for the whole trip? Or do you fish that earlier in the day, earlier in the morning, and then, and then move out to different areas? Or, or is it a pretty much right now, is that an all day consistent thing? I, you know, I don't know. I can't be, I can't really tell you if it's all day or not because I usually abandon that deal. It's kind of one of those things we start off doing early because I, I do believe it's better early. Um, I, I want to say we finished doing it yesterday about eight o'clock, maybe somewhere around eight or eight thirty, and we kind of went on to a different pattern. But it wasn't that they stopped biting, so I don't know that it was one of those things that just died off. I, I would think that it will slow down throughout the day just because it's shallow water and it's hot and water's pretty clear in the back up on Gunnersville, but I, I don't know for sure that it's just dying off completely. I mean, you could probably go do it all day if you wanted to. So you abandoned that at like eight thirty. What do you go to? What did you go to? Yesterday we went, I had actually, I went to a little area that we caught them at in the, in the tournament on Saturday just to try it out. It was, you know, it's in a Creek, it's grass, but it's a little bit deeper grass. It's, it's got a few patches of hydrilla here and there. And we were just dragging stuff through it, pretty much dragging the same things. Um, but it's just a little bit deeper water. Now, we didn't get bit there yesterday. We moved on from that and started fishing a road bed, caught some on a road bed. But we, we pretty much went deeper yesterday. I was on the I was on the lower end around Seabold and stuff like that yesterday. Um, and the last, last couple of times I've been, it's been on the lower end. And then last week we were on the upper end a pretty good bit. Um, that was when we caught them schooling and stuff like that in the afternoon. I did a couple afternoon trips with the father and son, but trying to think what we do. Oh yeah, we frog and flipped up there with uh, with a group of guys that came down Monday and Tuesday last week. I think it was. But we we went frogging and flipping. They just pretty much wanted to try grass stuff, and so that's all we did. We didn't catch a lot of numbers, so we caught a couple good ones. And a lot of that stuff's been changing from day to day. Like I said, when they turned those floodgates on, it a lot of stuff changed. You know, a lot the water of things got dirty. changed. Yeah. The cool thing about it, you know, right now, it sounds like just listening to you is there's a lot of, a lot of different opportunities. Uh, you don't have to go out there and just have your mindset on one thing. There's, there's, you know, you can, and that kind of makes the day fun, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. It, it's a good time. If you're, if you like to do a lot of different things, it's a good time for you. If you like to be focused in on one thing, I don't think it's going to last you all day. Um, not unless you have a ton of water to run, but you know, it's, it's a junk man's world right now, almost. So, you know, if you like to jump fish and you like to do a whole bunch of different things, run a whole lot of water. Yeah. It's a great time for you. Yeah. That's typical for the, yeah. Yeah. It's typical for this time of year for sure. So is the ledge fishing, has it been, has it been as good this year as in previous years? In my opinion, no, absolutely not. Over the summer, 
um, not including the last two weeks, I would say it's been probably way less than average and borderline the worst couple of years or worse in the last few years that I've seen on Gunnersville anyways. Now, Pickwick, totally opposite. Pickwick's been on fire, but yeah, it kind of died down the last week or so, last two weeks or so. But as far as that deep bite goes on Gunnersville, man, it's like, yeah, you can catch them one day and then go back to the stuff the very next day and they're not there. I mean, it's been, it's been weird. It was weird last year, but it wasn't this weird. So, fishing pressure, man, fishing pressure. I promise you, it's got a ton to do with fishing pressure. I guarantee you. Know, there's nothing. Yep. So. Yeah, we we talk about it on here all the time. You know, is 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 as good as the electronics are now, and 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 how they they benefit benefited us in so many ways. The one place it uh, has hurt is there's no there's no secrets out there anymore. <laughs> yeah. it, if there's fish on a ledge, people find them, and uh, right, and and them fish don't stay there; they'll move back up, and get away from it eventually, get tired of it. But yeah, there's a couple schools that seem like man, you would just think they'd be gone, and finally, finally, last couple of weeks on Gunnersville, especially, it seems like those fish has finally started moving around a little bit. But it's the same places every year that they get out on; they just get beat on, you know. And then, and people wonder why, well, why aren't they biting? Well, it's because you're the 30th boat to hit it today you know like that's why they're not biting right but absolutely it's, it's it's crazy the fishing pressure on that lake is unreal man it is but, it that's what i'm hearing from everybody they said it's just you know I, one thing we've seen and i, I had somebody from a uh, a fish manufacturer i was on the phone with a, a, a hook manufacturer earlier and they were like man our sales uh, i mean we're so we we can't even keep a supply of them. It's like, it's like we've, the COVID has hurt everybody with work. So everybody went fishing. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I was just talked about my client to my client yesterday. Cause he brought it up. He asked me how my business been doing. I said, well, since, since COVID last year, it's skyrocketed. I mean, everybody skyrocketed. goes, fishing, everybody goes yeah. fishing. Yeah. So, uh, and it looks like we got another, another round of, uh, COVID attacking everybody. So, uh, you, you know, it looks like the fishing's going to stay good for a while for your business. <laughs> I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Well, man, no. great report. Glad we got you on here and, and look forward to having you more for sure. But before I let you get out of here, uh, what's your tip of the day for somebody coming up to Gunnersville this weekend? Man, I'd have to say, if you're going to go up there, I know a lot of people want to frog fish right now. And it's definitely one of those things that brings a lot of people to Gunnersville. But if you're going to do it, do it right and when i say that don't go out there and just throw stock bait don't do you know with no changes whatsoever don't just pull it out of the pack and just throw it bend those hooks out a little bit because <laughs> that is seemed to be the biggest thing for a few two people that i've taken the last couple of weeks when we do go for the frog bite and we pull one out of the package and if those hooks aren't been out <laughs> you've got a real good chance of missing that fish that that kind of hurt us uh, a couple of days ago <laughs> um and we weren't on this fantastic frog bite by any means they're not just i'm not just on a great a we're going to go out and whack them but when you get bit it's usually a good one and we had this short enough gunnersville giant come out of the water and that hook just completely missed that fish so yeah go out when you go out if you're going to use a specific bait i'm you know i'm not big on any one particular bait but you know bend those hooks out just a little bit just enough out of the stock package of where they where they're at and it'll save you a fish or two so you actually, that's, you take the hook out of the package and you get your needle on those pliers and you actually just bend it out. I'll bend them out. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't care if I'm catching a little grass every now and then myself. 
you know, if it, if you're catching too much, you can always spin them back in just a little bit. But I promise you, your hook sets and your and the amount of fish that you're going to land, if you just spin them out just enough, you're going to you're going to benefit a lot from it. Man, that's a great tip. Thank you for that. That is a excellent tip. Well, look before uh, before I get out of here, uh, let you go. Uh, man, tell our listeners how they can book a trip with you, brother. Uh, you can book with me either over Facebook or give me a call. I've done a few over email too. Uh, you know, got my email that's set up through my com domain name. And then, uh, uh, but a lot of people seem to seem to want to do it over Facebook. My Facebook page name is Basswacker Guide Service. Basswacker, one word. And you can just message me over that. Or you could do my phone number. Um, I don't know if you want me to give you your phone number or not. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, my phone number is actually still my 901 area code from back when I lived back in Memphis, but it's a lot of people ask me about that, but I just hadn't changed over. So it's 901-490-0882. That's a good one to reach me. You can call or text anytime. I'm pretty much available all the time. Well, good deal, man. Well, guys, y'all give Cody a call and I'll book a trip with him. Uh, sounds like he's still catching fish and, and, and knows how to do it. So Cody, man, thank you for jumping on. I look forward to having you on a lot more in the future. And uh, stay safe out there on the lake, brother, and look forward to talking to you soon. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on. All right, Cody. Thanks, man. All right, guys, let's take just a second and listen to one of our sponsors that helps keep this show free for all you listeners every week. SunSouth, from outdoors equipment, parts, services, accessories, SunSouth has you covered. On the best for less, visit SunSouth or SunSouth.com for quality John Deere equipment. Sun South for those that do. All right, guys, really excited about segment three. We got a special segment coming at you. We're going to talk about something that we all need right now. We're going to talk about sunscreen, and we're going to do this by joining in with our other podcast host and bringing it to you. All right, guys, before we get into the reports this week, it is certainly not a secret that my wife is in the dermatology field. She is a uh, physician associate now, I believe. They've actually changed it. I saw that yesterday. Uh, No longer a physician's assistant. Anyways, it is Skin Cancer Awareness Month, and it's something that's real, and we just want to make sure you guys are going to be protected this summer. Let's head on over to my buddy Joe Baia in Northwest Florida. We have a special guest this week. Today, we're going to be talking to Keith Pittman with Reeler Shield. So let's head on over to Northwest Florida Fishing Report, and let's see what old Joe Baia is doing. How are we doing today, Joe? What's happening, Butch? Man, you know, I... uh out over the weekend celebrating my birthday, sitting by the pool. Wasn't out there very long, and I got myself my first slight sunburn of the year. I know what you mean. And I hate to, and I It hate was to one of them white, too, trashy but... sunburns, too. You know, had a couple of weird tan lines, you know. Got a good tank um, top. Got a tank top. It kind of embedded in your skin there. I'd like to say it was tank top. It was kind of more like I was carrying a couple extra LBs, man. I had some creases <laughs> in places that I hadn't had them before, so... uh yeah, I, I, I needed some sunscreen on. I just didn't think I'd get burned that fast, man. I have been very surprised. I guess I'm just not as uh, conditioned to it as I maybe felt like I was when we were on the back deck of a charter boat. I, I get burned pretty easy these days. I think a lot of people do, man. And like you say, the cloudy, the cloudy kind of overcast days will burn you real quick. You'll just think, man, I just don't need it. Or the sun's, you know, it's it's not high enough. It's low in the morning or it's you know low in the afternoon. It's not necessarily true, man. 
Yeah, man, I think everybody at this point has heard about the importance of being sun protected, but it never fails. I mean, you're still going to see people that get really bad sunburns. I mean, I know in my family's been history of, of melanoma, lots of skin cancer, and uh, it's, it's nothing to take lightly. We've had some of our contributors here on the podcast that have had to have some spots removed. Thankfully, it's hadn't caused them any health issues, but you know, it's not something to take lightly, but sunscreen and sun protection can be kind of a, I don't know, kind of mystifying with everything out there. It's a lot of options, man. How do you know what to go with? Yeah. What SPF is right. There's a lot of questions when it comes to sunscreen and man, be honest with you. One of the reasons that I don't wear it all the time is because, gosh, man, it stings your eyes. It's, it seems like it tears up your sunglasses. It's hard to put on. There's a lot of stuff I don't like about sunscreen. So today we're going to learn a little bit more about sunscreen itself and and really what some of the options are that are out there. Who are we talking to today? Yeah, man, I have um, become, uh, I would say, friends. We've been talking a good bit, and uh, we ended up having a lot in common. Mr. Keith Pittman and his partners have come up with a mineral-based natural sunscreen developed for anglers and sports enthusiasts. How are we doing today, Mr. Keith? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys letting me come on, and I appreciate you guys talking about sun protection because it is. It's something that's very important, especially in our industry. Absolutely. So our industry and your product is Reelers Shield. Man, just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background and how you got in the sunscreen business. It all starts with my mom. My mom and my dad have both suffered from skin cancer. But when I was 15, my mom came home and had to have Mohs surgery and had a big chunk out from under her eye and her nose removed. And I just remember, uh, seeing that. And when you're 15 and you see your mom have a, I mean, it was right after the surgery. So she literally had a hole right there. And, you know, she had to have plastic surgery, multiple ones to fix that and stuff. And it really started my journey on finding out about sunscreen. Plus I make Larry Bird look like Hawaiian tropic model. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> pale. So all of our bloodline is from Newfoundland and New England. And, you know, so we're pale. I mean, I was a hockey player, so right. I'm, I'm real pale. So when I go out in the sun, you know, when I was a kid, I get burned so quick. You know, when I started, when my mom got, you know, started dealing with skin cancer on a regular basis, I really started learning about it. And back in 2014, I was part of a different company, which we had skincare products and we had brought out a sunscreen and a lip balm and some other products, but I realized how the fishing industry was in need of not only quality skincare, but, you know, I was talking to so many anglers that were dealing with skin cancer and I come to find out it's because anglers hate wearing sunscreen. And my oh, no. old, the old company that I had, we were more, t we started in dermatology and were focused to dermatology in dermatology. Our products worked for the outdoors, but when I parted ways with that company, um, you know, I wanted to focus on how can we get anglers convinced that a sunscreen will work for them and, and you know, and really focus on tournament anglers because they're the ones that are, you know, they don't want anything that can mess up their chance of catching, you know, <laughs> a bass that could win them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. So, you know, talking to those guys and finding out all the reasons why they don't wear sunscreen. And we had a big whiteboard with just a ton of things, you know, scent, smell, 
getting all over their boat, getting on their gear. You know, I had one angler talk about he would keep it on the deck of his boat, but he would end up kicking it off and it would always sink and he'd have to buy new ones. So we literally were working with our, the company that was helping us manufacture it. And we're going through formulas and just checking each one off, making sure this, you know, it has no scent, you know, reelers has no scent, making sure it's all natural, making sure it's reef friendly. Maybe one as far as making sure that when you snap the lid closed, if you drop it off the boat, the stick floats, you know, I yeah. mean, we literally tried to make sure there was no excuse why fishermen, you know, no excuse that they had why they would not wear sunscreen because it's so important for them. Keith, you're talking about all these reasons why people don't like sunscreen. The top reason I don't put sunscreen on is because it stings my eyes. I mean, whenever I'm fishing, I'm sweating. Yeah. Or I'm getting jumping in the water to just to cool off. I mean, there's right. lots of reasons why I'm being exposed to moisture and getting in my eyes. A lot of times I wear it, but then it gets washed off. Is there anything I can do to combat that? I mean, maybe first off, I mean, you guys, you're talking about a mineral based sunscreen. What's the alternative? I guess a chemical based sunscreen. Yeah, those are the two mains. And, you know, the chemical sunscreens are usually uh, based with an oxybenzone or octanoxate as their main ingredient, which chemical sunscreens are made to absorb in your skin and they break down UVA and UVB rays as they penetrate the skin. Whereas, you know, the American Academy of Dermatology and anybody who is aware of what chemicals can do to your skin and the environment know that our product is a mineral base, which is titanium dioxide and zinc oxide, which actually reflects UV rays off the surface of your skin. So you, when you're thinking of a natural sunscreen or a mineral based sunscreen, it's like having, you know, you have a good one like Reelers. It's like putting millions of little mirrors on top of your skin where it reflects the UV and UVA and UVB rays right off the surface. Whereas these chemical sunscreens, not only are they not good for the environment, they're not great at sun protection. You know, a lot of people have allergic and your skin can break out. You can have an allergic reaction, but they're made to allow UV rays to penetrate your skin and then they break them down. So you're still getting that penetration of UVA and UVB rays, whereas a natural mineral-based sunscreen like Reelers reflects it right off the surface. I would assume that actually makes you cooler as well, almost like wearing a big sun hat. Well, it's, it's funny because I was just on a, another show last week uh, with Salt Creek Tackle and we were sitting in the blistering sun. And I've always said with reelers that I don't sweat as much and I don't feel like I am as hot. And we were sitting out there and because it's reflecting the UV rays, I, we haven't done like the scientific study. I don't know necessarily know how mm -hmm. I could prove it. Every angler that I've talked to and myself, if I have it on my face and my back of my hands or my neck and I'm in direct sun, I sweat a lot more when I don't have it on than when I do because it's reflecting those UV rays. I don't feel as hot. It's just one of those benefits of wearing it. But as Joe said, you know, one of the things that he had an issue with is sunscreen irritating your eyes. And that was another thing, another problem we had to overcome. And reelers, I mean, you can literally rub it around your eyes and you're not going to have a problem with it. In fact, at ICAST this past, last year before COVID shut ICAST down this past year, mm -hmm. I spent all day taking a stick and literally just rubbing it in my eyes. And people are like, you're kidding me. And I'm like, no, 
I mean, so the <laughs> fact that my eyebrow was like completely white and nobody would tell me because I kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And I, I went into the restroom and I was like, oh, my God, my eyebrow is completely <laughs> white. And everybody's letting me sit there and keep talking. Nobody, nobody was telling <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, man, we talk about there's so many options like we were talking about earlier. I walk into a, a place getting some sunscreen and I'm looking at 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 and ozone 70. What's the best option? Kind of walk us through the FPF rating and what what exactly that means. Well, you know, the SPF rating is basically the rating at which protect how long and the protection that you get with the product that you're using. But it's a, a completely skewed scale because when you're looking there, first off, there is no sunscreen on the market that's, that blocks 100% of UV rays, but yet there's SPF 100s. So right. you think you get 100% protection from the sun, which is completely misleading. When you have a chemical sunscreen, you know, when you put it on your skin, it starts breaking down. As soon as you put it on, it starts breaking down you jump in the water, it's going to dilute that. So your SPF rating is going to drop every 10 minutes, depending on the product, because of the way it breaks down once it hits your skin and it hits the air. Whereas the American Academy of Dermatology recommends a natural mineral-based sunscreen with an SPF 30 rating or higher. Whereas the natural sunscreens, the mineral-based, you know, you're getting those particles on the top of your skin where you literally have to wipe them off. You know, if you're wiping your face a bunch, you know, you might want to reapply, but you know, with chemical sunscreens every two hours, really every, every hour, hour and a half, if it was me, you'd have to reapply. Whereas reelers, because it's a particle that's on the top of your skin, you know, if you're out you jump in the water and you just dry off and you're not toweling yourself off and wiping it off, you're going to keep that protection. We recommend that people, if you apply it, like when you're on the boat ramp or before you get on the water, reapply it later that afternoon or when you break for lunch or something like that. It's not something that you constantly have to repeatedly apply. Definitely. It's something that if I'm out all day on the water, I usually reapply once. And I used to have sunscreens that I would use chemical sunscreens that I would reapply literally every two hours heavily. And I would end up being burnt. Oh yeah. But I can reelers, I can put it on in the morning and there's times I forget later in the afternoon but if I'm not completely wiping it off my body, I stay protected and I don't get burnt. You talk about applying it and uh, a lot of those chemicals, you know, sprays and things like that. And some people don't allow them on their boat. I mean, it's horrible. It'll, it'll deteriorate the rubber uh, pads on your, on your ears and on your nose, on your uh, sunglasses. And it's even really bad for the fiberglass and for the, uh, you know, your canvas cushions, your eyes in glass. It'll break down and deteriorate that stuff. Your sunglasses. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that stuff is horrible. Like I literally, if I see people at the ramp and they've got spray sunscreen, I will ask them if I can have it and I'll give them my sunscreen because I want to throw it away because that stuff, first off, if you've ever seen anybody jump in the water after they've sprayed that stuff on them, it's like an oil slick and you see people spraying it on their face and around their chest. They're breathing that in, which is horrible for you internally. Not only that, it's horrible for the environment with all the chemicals and stuff. And then you get onto that. If you spray it and you've got a fiberglass deck on your boat, you're going to slip and bust your tail because your fiberglass is so slick. The great thing with our product, the Reeler Shield, 
it goes on dry. It goes on clear. It's really easy to apply. Plus, it's not going to get on all your gear, your boat. You're not going to see it all over your lures. You're not going to have it all over your rods and reels. You know, it really is a dry product. When you put it on, you know, as soon as you put it on, you can snap. You don't have that oily, greasy feeling. Keith, you, you had mentioned that not having to reapply as often. I think for me, that's probably the biggest reason that I don't wear sunscreen. It's not because I don't understand the importance of it. It's just I either forget or I can't Get convince busy. my wife to put it on me again. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm asking her too much. I've asked her five times already. It's kind of <laughs> it's getting weird. But no, in truth, like you said, uh, it comes off. You don't know how long it really lasts. I mean, mm-hmm. you hear all this stuff like SPF 30 means you can stay 30 times as long as if you could, if you didn't, I mean, right. you don't really know when you need to apply it again. You know, you're talking about, you jump, jump in the water or sweating and, and you see that sheen on the water mm-hmm. and you see it coming off somebody that's sitting in a pool, you see it, it, it's coming off. That's stuff's also, you mentioned it earlier, it's really bad for reefs. So tell me about the reef safe component of Reeler Shield. Well, it was very important to us to come up, you know, we, we're, all of my partners and us that are involved with reelers, you know, we love the outdoors. We're outdoor enthusiasts and coming up with a product that's safe for the environment and safe for the people who are using it was key. And lately in the past three years, it really has amazed me that for years, the industry has known how bad the chemicals are for human consumption or on your skin but it, it really wasn't something that was in the media. You know, people didn't talk about it. But as soon as they found out how octanoxate and oxybenzone, you know, damages the ability for coral to reproduce um, and it actually kills coral, then it was a big deal. Then people started talking about the difference between chemicals and physical sunscreens. With chem- Physical sunscreens are another name for natural or mineral-based sunscreens. And we're, we're targeting anglers, and I love fishing myself, something we do all the time. You know, I want a product that will keep me protected as well as will not damage the environment that, you know, I love to be out in. And it just kills me that so, I mean, I, I am just adamant about my disdain for, you know, aerosol sunscreens. It's just, <laughs> I just can't stand it. And hey, I, not to mention, those things are dead gum cold whenever somebody's yeah. spraying that on your back, you know, <laughs> you're, you're prancing around like, Oh God, get it over with. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, uh, you mentioned the application, you know, that was another thing is that it, just like you said, you no, know, people don't want to have to sit there and stop what they're doing, especially if you're in a tournament and, you know, your livelihood depends on, you know, every cast you make and you don't want to take that time to reapply every two hours. Well, reelers it's in a small stick it fits in your tackle box it fits in your pocket it fits in your personal flotation device and you know your face ears back your neck your hands the tops of your feet if you wear sandals are the most exposed areas when you're out on the water most people are wearing you know especially if you're a tournament angler you're wearing a short sleeve or a long sleeve jersey but your face ears neck back of the hands tops of your feet are always out there in the sun. And that's why we chose the size of the stick that we have because it looks like a little roll on a little stick deodorant. And it literally takes you maybe 20 seconds to put a swipe on your forehead, nose, nose, chin, back of the neck, and then rub it in. And you're protected. You know, you don't have to stop 
throughout the day to reapply that. That was our main goal when we started Reelers is we wanted tournament anglers to start wearing our sunscreen because once the average fisherman, the you know weekend warrior sees these pros wearing sunscreen and still catching fish, they'll start realizing, hey, I can wear sunscreen too. It's one of those things that people just look at it as a hassle. I mean, farmer and farmers and fishermen are the hardest people to convince about sun protection, but they are the people that are outdoors all the time that need it the most. Yep. Most, yeah. most prone to it. And I think it's, um, I think it's a little bit generational too. I think that me, you and Joe are kind of on the, on the late end of, I never wore it growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say probably in the last 10, probably 10 years, you know, like, like I say, we're on the last generation. Our parents didn't wear it at all. And I think well, when they're they paying the price it, now. Exactly. Yeah, and right. when they did wear it, it was because they saw, or you saw that those old movies with the uh, lifeguard sitting on his chair with the white, the bright white nose. And that was because they knew that zinc oxide, that was zinc oxide that they were using would keep them protected, but nobody wanted that bright white nose. Nobody wants to walk around covered in white, but stay protected. But thankfully technology is caught up. You can get clear zincs. Like ours is a white stick, but a little bit goes a long way and you don't see white. Um, I tell people all the time, if you see white after you've wiped around, then you've put on way too much. <laughs> a little really goes a long way with our product. Well, that's awesome, Keith, man. We really, really, really appreciate you being on the shows today and uh, educating us as well as our audience and listeners. Um, it's heating up, man. If folks want to get up with you, pick up a few sticks for Memorial Day and heck, for all summer, what's the best way for people to uh, check out Reeler Shield as well as your product? Our website is reelers-shield.com which, you know, you can always buy product there. That's the easiest way to get it. We do have a store locator on our website that you can punch in the zip code and see if there's any stores in your area that actually carry it. We're growing that. We are still a newer company, so we've probably got 70 or 80 locations, but, you know, a lot of guides are carrying our product now. And But reelers-shield.com is the best way to get it. And right now, if you uh, check out, if you put three, st- three individual sticks in your cart, it's buy two, get one free. If you use great day as the promo code. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome, man. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thanks I'm, for extending I'm, that out to our, our listeners. And I mean, I'll tell you, we're, we get, we get hit up by a lot of PR companies for a lot of different things. And we don't have most of the things that, that people bring across our table onto the show because we've never tested it. We don't know if it's any good or not, but we met you at ICAST a couple of years ago and you gave mm-hmm. us a couple of little sample sticks and we like the product. It works well for all the reasons that we talked about. We've really enjoyed using it. Definitely recommend folks check it out. And thanks for extending that, that discount code to them. Well, I mean, it, it, summer's right around Memorial Day is right is here. Um, and it's actually not only is it Skin Cancer Awareness Month, but this week is National safe sun week as well, which hopefully gets people pumped up and ready for the summer, but reminds them that skin cancer is the most common form of cancer, but it's also the most preventable. Oh, absolutely, man. We really appreciate you being on the show and thanks for uh, being so generous to our listeners, man. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day. Well, some interesting stuff, Joe. I, uh, I got educated today, buddy. How about you? Yeah. I, you know, I, I think sunscreen's an afterthought. Um, or it was an afterthought for me. It's kind of like around to the 
run to the Walgreens or wherever I can grab a, a whatever, you know, and yep. it's like, okay, if 30's good, 70's better, right? And I like this one. It think. smells like bananas. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it's just all these well, and I feel reasons like, why we end up I feel with like, the sunscreen we end up with. Agreed. And I feel like I put, I usually put the quote good stuff on in the morning, you know, like the nice lotion, like the, you know, the, the stuff that's supposed to go on your face and, and buy special you know, lotions, special lotions. And by noon, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm burnt, you know, I'm burnt. And I've, I've, I've reapplied with some spray uh, or something. Yeah. So. My wife gets mad at me because she's very diligent. You know, I feel like she just bathes herself in sunscreen. Like she just literally gets in a vat of it and, yeah. I get burned even, and I feel like I shouldn't have gotten burned. I was like, I put the stuff on. I was, I put it on more than I'd ever put it on. And I'm still ended up getting burned. And, and it's because it's a lot of the reasons we talked about, but man, you know, there's some stuff I didn't even think about. And we, you know, we talk a lot on here about the importance of having good live bait. When we catch some of these live cigar minnows, thread fin hearing, you can't tell me. And I know for a fact, we've seen it. Oh, every day kill, it kills your bait, man. You you got that stuff all over your ha- arms and hands. You're reaching down with a live well, trying trying to catch get your bait, and you see that sheen on the water. You tell me that that doesn't isn't affecting your live bait. Absolutely, yeah. it's terrible for your bait. I know, I know for a fact it is. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of cool stuff. It's cool to see a company that has listened to what anglers need and is focused on that because I mean. I don't know. I mean, you don't hardly, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard of a sunscreen company that's focused on, on anglers specifically, pretty cool stuff that they're doing. And, and it really sounds like it's good all the way around that they really thought it out and thought it through. Yep. Agreed. I, uh, I know we always like to, to support people that support us as quote. I mean, you know, as far as anglers, I would like to, uh, I'd like to give back a little bit. I mean, like you say, you've never, I mean, I've never seen a, a sunscreen sticker on a jersey for pro staff or something right yeah no i mean they're definitely uh supporting supporting what we all like to do and, and making sure that it works well for us and that's pretty cool that they're extending everybody uh a discount on trying out their product and i can tell you i mean like i said uh, we don't get on here and endorse things but that is i like it. it's it works and uh for all the reasons we talked about what where can they go again butch what was that discount code yeah, man, they need to go to reelers-shield.com, put three individual sticks in your cart. Mr. Keith is going to give you a buy two, get one free using the promo code Great Day. All right, man, I got to go wrap my show up. You go get her done and yes, uh, put your sunscreen on. Always, brother. Enjoyed recording with you. Y'all have a good show. I'll talk to you soon. Same to you. All right, guys, another great segment, and let's hear from another great sponsor. If you're fortunate enough to own a lake or a pond, then I know you want to get the most out of it as possible. We all want to manage and grow big deer on our place, so why not grow the biggest, most healthy fish possible as well? Give Norman a call at Southeastern Pond Management at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com, and these guys know what they're doing when it comes to managing ponds and lakes. So uh, if that's what you need, reach out to them. Guys, another great show today. Thank y'all all all for listening. That is going to wrap us up for this week. If you're enjoying this podcast, please, as always, take just a minute, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review wherever you listen to it. If you would like us to email you the show, we'll do it every single week. All you have to do is text the word fishing to 314 665 
1767 and we will email you the show each and every week as always thank you for listening look forward to talking to you guys next week this week's alabama freshwater fishing report was brought to you by sun south if your to-do list requires work on the land come see us at sun south we listen to your needs so you get the right equipment and the right implements at a price you can afford for john deere equipment sales parts and service come see us at sun south equipment for those that do and brought to you by Photonist Defense, PD Pro Ultralight Ultra Compact Night Vision Systems. Simply the best in-class night vision system ever built. Contact us at PhotonistDefense.com to learn more. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. And brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save a bundle online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And by B&M Pole Company is more than just panfish. Check out their Sam Super Salt Series designed for shallow water fishing for trout and redfish at bnmpoles.com. And brought to you by Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. At BucksIslands.com, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, bow rider style boats, new and used motors, as well as kayaks for sale. Give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by MB Ranch King. Save time and money when you buy MB Ranch King's maintenance-free hunting blinds. Call Kevin for info or quotes, 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection.